Are we having the conversations we should be having? Delighted to welcome onto this week's GRM podcast, Sue Ingram, who is an author, leadership coach and speaker who specialises in the art of having the difficult conversations. And fascinating insight into how and, uh, and Sue's experiences into the teams and the leaders that succeed in building a high-performing team where open conversations are normal and expected and are valued and, and appreciated. I think there's lessons in it for us all, whether in a leadership role or not. Uh, for anybody who cares about relationships, this is, this is uh, really insightful stuff. Enjoy. Right, a very, very warm welcome to Sue Ingram. Great to have you on the Tyrion podcast, Sue. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Um, and I'm going to go straight into a question that really interests me because you have, uh, we'll, we'll talk about exactly what you do. You're a consultant, you're a coach, yeah. uh, you're an author. Um, you've got this huge experience of working with people and organizations yes. at every single level. But you seem to have honed down into a specific area around people that's about right. having difficult conversations and as leaders with some things we can do. Just talk us through the journey that got you from being a um, an expert in people to being somebody who focuses um, very much on this difficult conversations. And ah, Right, okay. Well, my background's HR. I've always been a coach all of my career, and I realised I was a coach officially as a, as a profession. Oh, um, let me think. It's got to be over 20 years ago now. And I was coaching senior executives and they were talking about uh, changes they wanted to implement, but the difficulties they were having in implementing these changes. And they, was, they were saying, Fred won't like it. But I'm thinking, who's Fred? Is Fred's uh, board member that we need to influence? No, Fred was someone in their team. And I said, well, Fred either joins the party or elects to leave. You know, it's not up to Fred where you want to take, you know, where you want to take your team, your company. Um, and they were saying, oh, I couldn't do that. And I was talking to really quite senior people about this. And I'm going, with my HR background, I'm going, but it's very easy. You have a series of conversations. You talk about the realities of the job role and the direction. And Fred either joins the party or elects to leave. Um, and so that's when I started training people on these types of conversations, on truthful conversations, mm. um, not just around um, results and what people were producing, but around attitude, mm. the attitude that someone holds. Because sometimes you can have someone who comes to you and they, they give you what the job role is required. They hit the targets, but they do it in such a way that they annoy people, they uh, they fragment the team, they... Disrupt the uh, culture. Yeah. 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 So how do you give someone feedback on attitude? And with my HR background, I knew all the legal stuff. And with my coaching background, I knew how to language stuff. And I thought, whoa. And, I, and as soon as I offered the course out to people, people started biting my hand off for it. And so I know I train quite a lot of people and coach people in how to have those key feedback conversations with staff. Fantastic. And the and the it, it's quite interesting when you look at sort of uh, leadership programs, there'll always be a bit about coaching, there'll always be a bit about feedback. 
but actually specifically the ability to have the difficult conversations that can allow you to unlock uh, unlock the attitude and mindset you're looking for is it, it, actually rarely featured or yeah or, or jumping out. And yet you, 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 yeah. you, you are you've now created a career. You've written books about it. Um, yeah. Is that that significant, is it? It is really significant. And it's not an easy task to learn. If you were lucky enough, you worked, you happened to, in your career, work under a boss who was good at feedback Mm -hmm. and you picked up that skill. If you weren't lucky enough to do so, and most of us weren't, you never picked up the skill how to do feedback. In actual fact, what you learned was how to avoid giving feedback. Mm-hmm. how to park someone to the left-hand side, how to work around someone, how to sit for five years thinking one day they're going to retire, one day they're going to retire, and the problem will go away. That's what most of us have learned to do by the modelling that have been given to us by our own managers that we have worked under. Um, it's not an easy task to do. Um, I, I deliver my training through a six-week online program. I went online like everyone did during COVID. Um, and that gives you all the data. And then I, what I've learned now is that I now need to do what I call staff surgeries, which is what a monthly sort of touch base course to actually apply what people have learned. Because it's not, if it was just a formula, A, B, C, everyone would be doing it. It's not, yes. it's almost a sort of um, philosophy. It's almost a kind of mindset thing. Uh, combined with some knowledge about what you can and cannot do legally. And how, how do you, how does it, if, if you're thinking about the, the, the bigger picture, long-term strategy and ambition yeah. of, the, of, of the business, yeah. obviously part of that is, 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 is underpinned by the leadership, the cultural piece. Yeah. How, how do you sort of, um, how do you, um, what is the impact of creating this openness and this ability to communicate a little bit differently more honestly? Mm. The elephants are named in the room. Okay. You, there's a, the dysfunction of a family, the dysfunction of a team is marked by what you're not allowed to say. You're not allowed to say that mum's an alcoholic. Mum is an alcoholic, has been for 20 years, but you're not allowed to say it. Hmm. And that secret, well, it can, it can really cause so much pain in a family. The same is true for teams. So this is something for people to think about. What are you not allowed to say within your team? And it can be quite subtle. I remember I once went in to coach a team who who said, we're not achieving anything. And I thought, that's funny, because there were a group of engineers. There were about eight of them, 10 of them, lovely guys, lovely guys, um, committed, you know, experienced, all the rest of it. And I observed them in a team meeting, and and I had the answers straight away. These people in a team meeting, they'd ask a colleague to do something for them. Could you do this for me by Tuesday? And they were not allowed to say no. They said yes. And then they wrote it down in their notebook. And I, I, said, I said, stop, stop, stop. What are you saying yes to? Because they hadn't even qualified what do you mean? To what depth? You know, can I have a report by next Tuesday? What, three pages or 60 pages? What kind of report do you want? They, did, they weren't even qualifying it. Somehow the culture of the team was that whatever was requested of you, you went yes and wrote it down in your notebook, but then didn't deliver it because it wasn't qualified and you had known you hadn't actually done the thinking about 
could I do it by next Tuesday? Can I fit that into my work schedule? Consequently, they had this sense that they never achieved anything. And also what was much worse than that was they were going out and giving promises to clients, which they then reneged on because they told them that they'd get something next Tuesday and it wasn't there next Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. So it can be quite subtle. But there's an, um, I once worked with another company and uh, they came in because things were wrong. And they had two departments that weren't talking to each other. In fact, they hated each other and they were fighting. And they were both managed by one man. So I went to the one man and I said, you've got a problem. And he did not want to hear bad news. You could not tell this man bad news. He only wanted to hear good news. And so I tried to tell him that there was a problem. These two teams were not speaking to each other. And he just, he well, he came, actually came back and attacked me on it. And I just thought, well, that's taught me my lesson. I'm not telling you any more bad news. And in actual fact, I left the project because I couldn't fix the problem because one of the contributors to the problem was him not, not actually addressing the fact that these two teams weren't speaking to each other. Let's, um, if, I, um, if I just think about our, our, our membership SME recruitment businesses, and, and as you were talking, I, I remember um, hanging out with a guy called Floyd Woodrow, who's one of the most decorated SAS uh, uh, heroes. Uh, and it's got more medals than everybody. Um, a fascinating guy, wrote a brilliant book. And, and it, I remember him talking to me about some of the things uh, that make the SAS as an elite fighting force a better team than other teams. And one of, one of the things was exactly what you're talking about, was he describes it as their ability, ability to have really honest and open, direct adult conversations. Yes. And when I think about our, when I think about our members, uh, they're all, all, all SMEs. Um, most of them are in bigger jobs than they've ever had. Yes. So, so most of them, as emerging leaders who maybe have got things to say upwards, yes. um, A, don't know it's their role, B, don't have the confidence and, and skills necessarily to say it in a way that you might say it as, a, as an experienced coach and an executive coach and facilitator. So if you were the, if you were the, and I reckon if I had every member on this call, they would all say, yes, it makes sense to create a, a culture where open and direct dialogue and communication is, is, is the, is the way forward because we'll, we'll make better decisions, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But what, what, as a leader of a, of a small business, how would you, what steps would you take to create that sort of environment? Okay. Uh, number, okay. okay, number one, myself personally as a leader, I would find a coach, a mentor, someone that I can go to and tell the tr confidential, that I can go to and tell the truth about my vulnerabilities and my concerns and my fears about being a leader and about being challenged as a leader. Mm -hmm. Because if you're stepping into the new, it is both frightening and exhilarating. And you're going for a big target and you're wanting to create something fabulous, but you've not done it before. Mm -hmm. And so it's both frightening and exhilarating. You, and I often say, if you want, if you want to develop yourself, have children or start a business. <laughs> yeah, because that yeah. shows you the mirror. When you're talking yeah. to trying to persuade a two-year-old to clean their teeth, you know, that shows you the mirror. When you're managing and creating a business and all the demands that come in and all yeah. the different hats that you have to wear, yeah. 
that shows you the mirror of yourself. And consequently, I would strongly urge you to get some kind of coaching or mentorship where you can sit down and be vulnerable Mm. and acknowledge your fear and your vulnerabilities and your um, guilt about getting something wrong or I shouldn't have handled it that way. I didn't get the outcome I wanted. Darn it. What could I have done differently to get me a different outcome? How could I? So the safe place to explore all of that. Um, why, why, why can that why can that not be the leader themselves? Ah, oh, well, if you have got great self-talk, then do it. Yeah. But I want you to realize that Tiger Woods has got a psychologist. Yeah. You know, the great sporting heroes, they invest not just in people who sh- who uh, show them how to teach a great golf shot, you know, the the, the uh, but the mental game of a great golf shot. And these are people at the pinnacle of their career, and yet they still make that investment. They realize that the mental game is as crucial as the practicality of hitting the golf ball. Um, And when you are, and they're at the top, when you are going into new territory, it's extremely important to have somewhere safe, confidential, objective supportive where Mm. you can talk about your fears and in talking about your fears gain the courage and identify the actions that you're now going to take but to do it calmly to do it thoughtfully to do it with support and with some um, ideas not just off the cuff Mm. too many people manage off the cuff in fact i i I just recently did um, a piece on that I feel very, very sorry for people who have high natural talent because they don't learn how to learn. Okay. Yeah, because think about it. You've got you, you've got great intelligence. You've got good wit. You've got great drive. You, you're achieving. You've got high achievement drive. You're going for it. And all of that natural ability will get you that far. Mm. But if you want to go any further, you've got to do something different. Mm. You've got to learn. And that's why mentorships, being part of a group like yourself, Golden, where you you know you're you're putting ideas in front of people and you're you're encouraging people to to step up to be the people they want to be, is so crucial because if you you know you've got a business of five employees and you want to double it each year, you've now got to do something different. Mm. Mm than where your natural ability's got you. I think that that's really interesting because the, uh, you know, the typical SME business leader, entrepreneur, has not got a clearly defined development path in the way that you might get if you were part of some big, big, big corporation. Yeah, I get it because it's fun, isn't it? And you start up the business going, oh, it's fun. Let's have an adventure. Let me hire someone that I like. Oh, I used, I work with them. They're great. I'll hire them in. Suddenly you're getting a team. Suddenly you're managing a team. <laughs> and then perhaps the fun runs out because <laughs> you kind of go, oh, now I've got a payroll. I've got to meet every month, and etc., etc., etc. No, definitely. The if you were to um, just thinking about the because ultimately, if you can do what you spend a lot of time helping teams and organisations to do, as in unlock that sort of openness, the, the direct conversations that'll lead to better relationships. 
that ultimately will lead to better teamwork, which will ultimately lead to better results. So the, the the link to that it makes a load of sense to me. The this thing about the the skill sets that you would like to see leaders have that maybe too many haven't. What what are those critical skills that would enable this culture of openness? Um, oh, well, whether you're leading a team or a business. Well, I think I, I, I go to level five leadership, which is from Jim Collins and Good to Great, which is one of my classic books that I, I absolutely love. This fierce professional will to achieve, no matter what, mm. tough decisions, tough decisions, combined with personal humility. Now, you need a certain amount of ego to go ahead and do something, to go ahead and create, to go ahead and, and, and go, hey, I don't care what naysayers say. I don't care what people say. I'm going to create this. But there's, there's this huge bit within level five leadership of um, if a mistake is made, I made it. If success is achieved, it's because my team are brilliant. And too often the reverse is, if a mistake is made, who, who, who did that? Who did that in my team? Who can I blame? Who can I find a scapegoat? Um, rather than go, oh, I made that mistake. And you did make that mistake, even if someone in your team actually physically made the mistake. You made the mistake in as much as, for, for whatever reason, the person under your watch on your team made that mistake. <laughs> yeah. So you also made the mistake in whatever the circumstance was, that mistake happened. Though sometimes mistakes are just learnings, you know, you, you, you couldn't foresee it. It was, it was something that just came in from left field and you've learned something from it and you will not do it again. Um, but it's that humility aspect of it combined with having ego to go ahead and create a business. And it's, it comes back to that next thing that I, I, I really love, that mature leaders are able to work with paradox. They're able to do two opposite things at the same time. What, what sort of opposites are we talking? Well, um, I was talking to someone the other day and, and uh, she said, a friend of mine said, are you a dreamer or a realist? And she said, both. And he said, you can't be. And she said, oh, yeah, I can. <laughs> and it's, it also comes back from some research by a guy called Robert Keegan. He, he did something called constructive development theory. It was all about how adults mature through um, adulthood. Yeah, we think we're adults at 18. We're not. We're only beginning the journey. Only 1% of people under his research get to the ultimate maturity, which is being able to accept and work with paradox. Okay. And if you are a business owner, then you are both a dreamer and a realist. You're dreaming something into creation and you're a realist in as much as, hey, I've got to meet payroll this month. And what am I going to do about this? And hey, we've got this problem or, you know, yeah, you're a realist at the same time as being a dreamer. Now, if you've got a big team and you are a complete dreamer and you have no interest in being a realist, hire a realist as, your, as, as in your team fast mm. to balance you out because you need both. You need the paradox. You need the benefits of both approach. If you just do one approach only, you're likely to 
you're more likely to get the downside of that approach. Mm. If you have both approaches, you get the benefits of both approaches. That makes sense. Another, you're talking about realism and um, and being a dreamer. Are there other paradoxes that? Oh yeah. Oh really yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, being a tough manager and a soft manager. Okay. Again, people think you have to be one of. They just say, "I'm a tough manager." Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not going to work for you, mate. I can't. No. You go go. Well, I wouldn't work for you. Um, if you say I I'm a tough manager in as much in, in as much as I ask the very best from you, mm. but I'm a soft manager in as much as I'm completely here to help you do that. I'll work for you because mm. I want to achieve. I want to achieve. Brené Brown sums it up as a hard back, soft front. Hard back about boundaries. Um, and in your culture, you will set boundaries and you'll set targets. So you, you'll, have ta- you'll have targets that need to be hit. You, you will have hard things that are immovable, almost immovable. You will also have some immovable things around values, culture, what is and is not acceptable within our culture. And then, so you state the hard boundary. It is crucial that we hit this target this month. Soft front. Now, how can I help you do that? Mm. So the hard boundaries are almost the sort of non-negotiables. This yes. is, these are the parameters. Yes. And as long as we're within that. Yes. And then and the, the tough boundaries, actually, the hard boundaries, they actually create safety. Mm. And this is, this, is a, this is a concept from psychotherapy. You, in psych, if you go to a therapist, they are strict. You have to pay up front. You cannot, you cannot turn up drunk or high. The, you know, the hour starts this time and it finishes at that time. It is very strict boundary. Mm. And I was talking to a therapist saying, oh, but you're getting people in pain and all this kind of thing. How can you do this? He said, Sue, he said, those firm boundaries create safety. Mm. And in that safety, we can be vulnerable, we can be creative, we can, we can do loads of things. And I thought, wow. So you create firm boundaries in your business about the purpose of the business, the target of the business, what needs to be achieved, absolutely known, clear. Mm. And in, in being clear, you then create safety for people to be creative mm. and to do their best work. In order to hit the boundaries, yeah. So they sort of feel they've got permission within that, within those parameters. And, and that, I mean, again, as you were talking, it, it sort of takes me back to situational leadership that's been been around yeah. forever. It is this this paradox thing is about choosing what is the appropriate approach. Yes, yes, to, yes. I mean, situational time. leadership is wonderful. Yeah. I know one manager. He he left and joined another company. His whole team went with him. Yeah. And I'm like, ha ha, what do you do? Yeah. It means you're a manager that your team follow you. Yeah. Because it's easy to be a manager when you're just placed above them. But having a team follow you, he said, oh, he said, it's, he said, it's easy, Sue. I'm not a mind reader. I thought, yeah. oh, okay. He said, I go to my team members. I say, here's the targets. What do you need from me in order to be successful? Mm. What do you need from me in order to be successful? Because here's the targets. 
And he says, I am your servant. This is servant leadership. I'm your, you know, what do you need from me as the manager in order to? And he said, but then you do have to take it with a pinch of salt. Because some people will say, oh, leave me alone out of fear. I, 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 I don't want a manager breathing over my neck. You know, ooh. And so you do have to think, hold on a moment. They're new into role. They haven't yet proven themselves in this. In which case you go in and say, actually, um, I hear what you're saying, but actually I'm going to hang around a bit. I am going to be around. I am going to pop up. I am going to say hello. I am going to say, what's happening? How's it going? Where are you on the way to this target? Mm. Um, so this is why management is an art and, a, and, and something that you dance with. Because all of these models have got validity, but there isn't one that gives the answer to everything. It's about... It's about being your best self yourself and taking great care of yourself in order to create an environment for people to be them, their best selves. Mm. Everyone comes to work wanting to succeed. Everyone. Sometimes the company and the culture and the manager gets in the way and sometimes they themselves will get in their way. But you as a manager, as a, as a leader, when it comes to people, your job is to get extraordinary results out of perfectly ordinary people. Because the potential of ordinary people is unknown. It is, it, it, it is infinite. And think on it for a moment. If you have developed the skill within yourself or within your team, to get extraordinary results out of ordinary people. You're, you're winning. You're winning the game. You're winning. Yeah. 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 Love it. And, and, and again, this, this, this thing about self-awareness and, and really um, reaching out to understand people's perceptions of you to be that leader is just mm-hmm. fascinating. There's just too many people that just don't, that don't, don't create that. So yeah. I love that. How can, how can, um, Slightly conscious time. How can um, absolutely fascinating, by the way, and I, and I think the the yeah. paradox is is something really to think about. Yeah. But equally, that uh, I've got, I'm walking away with this 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 ambition of, of of seeing that sort of culture of openness and ability at every level to be able to have direct conversations. How can um, apart from reading your uh, excellent book, um, how, how can people uh, reach out to you if they want to find out a little bit more? Okay, the easiest way is either to email me, sue at conversewell.com, or link in with me because I put updates and I'm always I'm always available on LinkedIn and I and I'm uh, I'm going to be filming something alive later on today. So there's always bits and tips and ideas I'm putting out um, on LinkedIn all the time, and that's the easiest way. Yeah. I also have got a workbook if you want to have, if you have a difficult conversation and want to plan one, which is conversewell.com forward slash DC. Yeah. So you can download, it's a 13 page workbook about how to plan a conversation. If you want, okay. if you, if you've got one that you, that's in Converse, your mind at the moment. Conversewell.com. Yeah. Love it. So thank you, uh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely um, um, fascinating. And, and apart from your own book, which is called Firewell, and Jim Collins' Good to Craig, if there's one other book we should all read, just as a final thought? I'm going to recommend a, a book I came across at Ashbridge Business School. 
in their bookshop there. It's called Maverick. It's by Ricardo Semler. I read it. I love it. Yeah. 23, and he inherited his father's engineering firm in Brazil. And he kind of winged it <laughs> um, and did what he felt was right. He always intended to go to Harvard to study how to do business properly. Mm. He's now built a business that where Harvard are coming to study him. Yeah. And it's a book that may challenge you about how businesses should look and be run. Mm. And it's a nice, easy book to read, and I love it. Yeah, I, I love it. It's been it's been around a while, hasn't it? Oh, it's been around a long time, and it's still on Amazon. So, I bet it, I bet you it. know, no, I do remember. Um, absolutely yeah. fascinating. Sue, thank you. Really, really enjoyed that. Thank you for your time. And uh, you. and anybody listening to this who wants to understand more about that um, that culture that we can create, that ability to evolve as leaders, then please do reach out to Sue. Great to see you. We'll see you hopefully again. Thank you. Bye.